Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. And um, we are here in our home in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. And tomorrow we're moving to our new location. Uh, We're in a suburb now named Winona. And tomorrow we're moving to our new home in Winsboro, Texas, which is still in the Diocese of Tyler, with our wonderful Bishop Strickland, um, who I, I hope that you're all praying for him. Um, you probably know about the Vatican's visitation to him, which is not a good sign, um, but we're praying and uh, asking for our Lord's will. Um, all is well. Uh, Bishop Strickland will never stop speaking truth, and he trusts God and wants only to be in God's will, which is all any of us should ever desire. When we ended yesterday, we've been reading through the Catechism, um, the Catechism Explained, and we were uh, speaking about the sufferings of the Christian going through the Ten Commandments. But I had a question from a gentleman named Garrett at the end of the program, and he wrote, Greetings, Mother. Thank you for answering my question. Two weeks ago, I was wondering if you could discuss your thoughts on Catholic masculinity on your program. Thank you. Well, I I thought we'll take a break from the catechism today and speak about um, uh, Catholic masculinity. Um, There's so much. uh, There's so much. There's no way to cover it in one program. But there's a gentleman named Sam Guzman. G-U-Z-M-A-N, and he's written a wonderful book titled The Catholic Gentleman, Living Authentic Manhood Today. And the book has a foreword by Dale Alquist, who um, uh, is is truly wonderful. Uh, I will read anything Dale Alquist writes or says. He has, he speaks, he's an expert on G.K. Chesterton. Uh, Chesterton, and um, and in the forward to the book, he says the word gentleman. Now we're talking about authentic manhood, authentic masculinity, and this is the Catholic gentleman. So the word gentleman has fallen into disrepute along with the word man. There's a connection. Gentlemen, gentlemen, Gentlemen have become ungentlemanly in direct correlation with men becoming unmanly. It started, however, with gentlemen not doing their bit. It is a paradox that the word gentleman was traditionally applied to a man not immediately associated with gentleness, as it were. It was a word given to a knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, Knights were dubbed sir when they had achieved a certain valor, proving themselves brave and worthy in every respect, and often that involved bravery in battle and actions that were anything but gentle. 
along with this title, a knight was given property. He was the defender not only of a fortress, but also of a field and a family. The knight knew how to plant and build, as well as how to fight. He also knew how to entertain, to put on a feast, to sing, and to recite poetry. And he knew how to pray. He always set an example. When he stood, where he walked, when he sat, when he talked, and when he knelt before his lady and before his God. Putting on armor was a rare event, but a necessary one. A rare event, but a necessary one. The knight's greatest strength was in his restraint. His greatest strength was in his restraint. He won love and respect without having to brandish his power. He followed an established set of rules. He knew that freedom existed with those rules, freedom for himself and for everyone who depended on him. He was civilized and he was not a barbarian. He was gentle because he was polite. G.K. Chesterton points out the forgotten connection between the words polite and police. One letter difference, the connection between the words polite and police, both refer to self-restraint, to keeping order, to following rules. Politeness watches over the polis, P-O-L-I-S, the city, along with politeness, which is about keeping order. The other characteristic of a gentleman is courtesy, which as Chesterton says, means courtly behavior the way a person acts in the presence of royalty. To show courtesy as a gentleman would do means to treat every man as if he were a king and every woman as if she were a queen. Courtesy is sublime humility and charity. As Chesterton notes, St. Francis of Assisi treated even animals with courtesy. Politeness and courtesy both rely on self-restraint. But as Chesterton also points out, men have that strength in reserve that is sometimes called laziness. Yes, the virtue of self-restraint, like every good thing, can be put to the wrong use, as other virtues can be corrupted into vices. And a common male weakness, laziness, is the tendency to let other people do things. But the gentleman does things for himself. It is why he is a leader and an example. And it is why when gentlemen start taking advantage of their position, it sparked a bad reaction from women. The male privilege to lead The male privilege to lead, which is to serve, became the opportunity to take and to abuse, to indulge, and simply to have one's way. Gentlemen lost their sense of responsibility, their sense of honor, and their sense of reality. When men stopped behaving like gentlemen, women stopped behaving like ladies. 
women started asserting their rights because men had stopped recognizing them. Women started doing manly chores because men had stopped doing them. Women became detached from the home because men had become detached from the home. The corruption of knighthood led to the rise of feminism. When gentlemen started caring only about the power and prestige that came with their position, they stopped being gentlemen. And the men who followed their example stopped being men, stopped acting responsibly, and started acting selfishly. They stopped leading with politeness and started leading with power. They cast aside their self-restraint and started strutting their mere strength. They became warlike, not in noble acts of defense, but in dastardly acts of aggression. Feminists merely followed the same bad example. With no gentlemen around to treat them like ladies, they stopped acting like ladies and instead started imitating all the worst, unrestrained male behaviors. Ladies quit being queens when gentlemen quit showing courtesy. Men have stopped showing courtesy. One of the most obvious places we see a lack of courtesy is on the internet, in the unrestrained manner in which people address each other. The virtual world is not a virtuous world, as people type things to their on-screen adversaries that they would never say to a person sitting across the table, at least not yet. There is nothing to stop this behavior from carrying over into the real world. Not only are men not behaving like gentlemen on the internet, they are not treating women like ladies. A man who regards a woman as no more than a soulless, erotic image, existing only for his gratification, has become a barbarian. The very thing the good and gentle knight had to fight against. We need to bring back these knights. We need to bring back true gentlemen. And if you're a man, that's your calling, to be a gentleman a gentle man. Well, beloved, we have time still before the break, and I'm going to invite you to call in with anything on your heart. If you're a man or a woman, a father, and maybe a daughter or a son, uh, to call in about true masculinity and how that could be lived out in courtship, in the family, in the home, as a CEO of a corporation, as the President of the United States. In every stage of life, gentlemanliness can be lived out. And that's your power, men. You don't hold any power from lording it over the women. Absolutely none. Ephesians chapter 5, 5, Apostle Paul writes that women are to submit to their husbands and as to the Lord. So when they submit, submit to their husbands, um, they are submitting to Christ. But it also says that husbands need to lay down their lives for their wives. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. This is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The Catholic Church teaches that when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we join the prayer of Christ Himself. It is the perfect sacrifice of praise that extends every Eucharistic celebration into the hours of the day to sanctify time in the whole range of human activity. To learn more, please visit us or go to liturgyofthehours.org. magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the about tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the about tab. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live um, and... Um, we are live, and I am here, and I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. And uh, I think I announced earlier in the program we're going to be moving to our new home yes, uh, tomorrow. And um, we have a small army of people coming with trucks and flatbeds, and we're going to rent a, a U-Haul trailer as well. Um, lots of people helping. If you're in the area and you want to join, uh, you can help us load, you can help us unpack, uh, not unpack, but uh, unload in Winsboro and uh, tons and tons of things you could help us with. So you're certainly welcome to come. Um, okay, now, um, let me see. Uh, we have been talking about the um, uh, what true masculinity is, and it comes from the word gentleman. Men are to be gentle. And so um, uh, I, I read from an article, uh, the foreword of Sam Guzman's book on, um, uh, on the Catholic gentleman. It's a good book to read. Um, and what I'm going to do now, dear, what we'll do together is uh, there's, I'm just looking at so many, there's tons and tons of websites on traits, um, uh, of of masculine true masculinity, there's no lack. 
Um, so you can look those up. But if I, I'm good, we'll go to our calls now rather than waiting for the half hour. And if you have anything on your mind, you're a man, you're a woman, you're a child, uh, you're uh, thinking of marriage, uh, you're not sure what to do, uh, how to truly be a man, uh, uh, how to lay down your life for your wife as Paul, as Christ laid down his life for the church. Um, call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. I'll do the best I can to give you my thoughts, but there's lots of lots of resources uh, for you. I'm thinking of Steve Wood's um, apostolate, which, oh, I, I just can't even think of it at the moment, uh, the title of it. But if you look up Steve Wood and Manhood, you'll get uh, tremendous information. Um, so the toll-free number is one 511 5113 I would like to remain anonymous and I'm writing to you from Missouri. I have two siblings who are in irregular marriages. Well, you know, uh, there's no such thing as an irregular marriage. It's either a marriage or it's not. If it's irregular because it's not valid, it's not a marriage. Um, when we talk about irregular marriages, we're validating what is not regular. And what's not regular is not a marriage. So that's a very poor uh, expression that we've gotten used to. Um, and um, uh, she says, or she or he says, um, of my two siblings, they were raised Catholic from birth, went to Catholic school, received all the sacraments, and were originally married in the church. Since then, they have both divorced their first spouses and received an annulment and have remarried outside the church Neither of them is interested in pursuing an annulment at this time or possibly ever. Now, um, all right, so they, they both married in the church. They both divorced. Neither have received an annulment. And they both remarried outside the church, not interested in pursuing an annulment. Well, they're living in very, very, very grave sin and in adultery at the moment. Uh, without uh, going through the process of annulment, they must assume they're married. And so they're in adulterous relationships. And um, this anonymous writer goes on to say, this has caused division in our family because some members have welcomed their new spouses and others have spoken against it. Recently, they both wanted to visit our home for a holiday. And I felt very conflicted about whether I should allow them to or not. I'm wondering how I can welcome them to my home without going against what is stated in the catechism, specifically in the part in 1649 that states, quote, the Christian community is called to help these persons live out their situation in a Christian manner and in fidelity to their marriage bonds, which remains indissoluble, end quote. Would I not be sinning by allowing them to come over with the person they are committing adultery with and encouraging them to be complacent in sin. Yes, you would be sinning. I agree with you. 
I have talked extensively with both of them about this and tried to explain my reasons why my conscience will not allow me to have them over as a couple. Well, you, you need to tell them it's the church's teaching, not your reasons, but it's the church's teaching. Neither understands my reasoning and both think I'm being terribly judgmental despite my best efforts to explain otherwise. I have found a lot of information on why attending an irregular marriage ceremony is not allowed, but I'm having a much harder time finding reliable information on how to handle these kinds of situations after the wedding has come and gone and years have passed. Um, how can I handle this situation lovingly and in accordance with the truths taught by our Catholic faith? Am I misinterpreting how to approach this very difficult matter or is the approach I am taking valid? Thank you and God bless. The approach you're taking, dear one, is valid. I'm not sure how you're taking it. I'm not, not sure how you're speaking to them. Don't tell them it's your views or your faith and your beliefs. It is, but tell them it's the Catholic faith, and which is what you follow. And explain very clearly to them, as the catechism does, that if one is married in the church, then they are married whether they get a divorce or not. And the only way to possibly remarry is to go ahead and get a divorce uh, which begins the process of annulment the divorce has nothing to do with god it is uh, a civil situation and then they apply for an annulment and if the church grants a degree of nullity it means it does it's not a catholic divorce it means their marriage for one reason or another was never valid in the sight of God, even though they were married inside the church. It could have been on the part of one of the spouses. He or she never intended to raise the children Catholic, even though they said they would. Maybe they were living in sin. Maybe they didn't believe it, and they just said yes to get married. All kinds of situations. And that's why to apply for annulments, uh, to create a nullity, which says, after the examination, that your marriage never took place. So even though you were quote unquote married in the Catholic Church, you were never truly married. Um, and so um, the situation can start from scratch. But um, just explain to them that if you're truly married, you cannot remarry because it would be committing adultery. But if through the process of annulment that it's found out, either that the person's married and they're free than uh, divorce or um, um, just seek, as I say, seek an annulment. Um, uh, and just let them know that if they are living in mortal grave sin, in adultery, there's no way you want to support them because you love them too much. And you will get together with them only to help them get to heaven, not to socialize when you know that they're on their, they've chosen a road to hell. Um, Paul from Williams, uh, Williamsville, New York. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Mother Mary. I'm, I'm good so morning. grateful that you Yeah, I'm grateful you're on air this morning and live and feeling all right. And yeah. uh, Terrific, yeah. Paul, I am. Thank you. I'm grateful for that too, honey. 
Yes, thanks be to God. So tell me, you have a question or you have a story? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I, I always start off by listening to the program and, uh, if, uh, if there's something that strikes me to call, I call, right? Right. And I'm happy for it. Yeah. And I'm grateful, grateful to be able to do so. Uh, well, I've been meaning to order that book by, I think it's Gosman by uh, Mr. Gosman. Yeah. Like, yeah. Catholic, Catholic gentleman, right? That's right. The Catholic just say I'm Gosman, G-U-Z-M-A-N. Yeah. One Z. Okay. Yeah. And I, 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 I saw that. I can't remember where it was, but maybe five, six months ago. And I've been meaning mm-hmm. to to order that. So this is just wonderful that uh, you mentioned that. Good. And, uh, yeah, when you started off the program, I'm listening and listening the first five, six minutes. And then you, you got to a point where you pointed out that uh, gentlemen, not being gentlemen anymore, uh, has... Uh, in the natural order of things, it's brought about the feminist type of uh, mindset, right? Yeah, right. I think, uh huh. I th- I think so too. I think that that's that's probably the natural. Uh, and I don't and and I don't want to confuse anybody or myself or <laughs> with with the difference between you know uh, a, a woman has the same dignity as men. We're created equal and complementary to one another. But when a man, like you were saying, the, loses the what the true meaning of being a gentleman is, then the natural order uh, would be for the woman to start falling for the same type of uh, disordered behavior. Yeah, it's it's the natural order in our fallen state. Because if someone is truly walking with God, even if their husband has failed uh, to live up to his manhood, the wife still needs to live her true feminism uh, before God. Oh, I love the way you connected that. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so true. And so the story that um, I would share, and, I, and for some reason before the program, I was thinking about it again, uh, was uh, last Saturday, well, um, just about every Saturday I pray outside. We have a group of people that pray outside of abortion mill. Great. Yeah, and last Saturday, uh, occasionally this uh, elderly or a person, a man who's in his 80s will come out of his car with his walker and come over and join us for a while. And I, oh, I can wait till after the... uh, if, if you can keep me on, I'd like to tell the story. Please. Yes, I'd love you to stay on, Paul. We'll, we'll uh, reunite after the break. God bless you. And I'll just uh, mention anyone else, you're welcome to call in during the break or at any time with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back.
was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with a spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for July 14th. Today we celebrate St. Kateri Tekakwitha. The first North American native to be canonized was baptized in 1676 and died four years later. Known as the Lily of the Mohawks, her life in grace grew rapidly. Kateri's mother was a Christian Algonquin and wife to the chief of the Mohawk clan. At age four, Kateri lost her family in a smallpox epidemic that left her disfigured and half-blind. The uncle who adopted her did not welcome the young girl's growing interest in the Catholic faith or the influence of the Jesuit missionaries on her. At 19, Kateri refused to marry and converted to Catholicism. Her radical actions left her in danger. On the advice of a priest, she stole away one night and walked 200 miles to a Christian Indian village near Montreal. There she grew in holiness under the direction of a priest and an Iroquois woman, spending long hours in prayer, charity, and strenuous penance. At 23, Kateri took a vow of virginity. When she died in 1680, all traces of the smallpox scars had reportedly disappeared from her emaciated face. Pope Benedict XVI canonized Kateri Tekakwitha in 2012. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour before us. I love this time, and I love when you call in with anything on your heart whatsoever. Feel free to do that. We have Paul on the line. Um, dear brother, are you still there? Yes, Mother Miriam, oh, I'm here. Wonderful. Okay, this is wonderful. Okay, so you were talking about praying outside of an abortion clinic? That's correct. And um, if you can picture the way the road is set up, we have the main road, and that's where the uh, clinic is at. And then right directly uh, where we're praying, there's a side street. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I left off saying that uh, I was helping this uh, uh, man who occasionally shows up, and he uses a walker. And I was helping him across the side street. We're inside the crosswalk and everything. And suddenly, a car turned off of the main road onto that side street pointing at us. And uh, then the person slowed down, had their window down, and uh, it was a woman dressed actually in scrubs. And she said to me, you're not taking my freedoms from me. Mm, Poor soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yes, right, right. And so any, the reason why that came to mind is because you were speaking about 
here we are, we're just trying to help people. And I myself helping this, this fellow make sure he's safe crossing that, that corner. And uh, we're in the uh, crosswalk. And then we get a reaction like that from somebody. And uh, it just, you had mentioned the selfishness of uh, how people have become selfish like that when when you don't aren't living authentic manhood. And That's then right. the following, you know, and then the following is the feminist movement because of the lack of the living of the authentic manhood. Uh, well, the immediate response that I may not have held back was, no, no, ma'am, you have all the freedom to murder that you wish. I, I, that's what I would have wanted to say. Exactly. But the, and then because before uh, the show this morning, I was thinking all, all about that occurrence. This, uh, and uh, I thought to myself that, uh, you know, the person is only concerned with their own freedoms. They're not looking at the other people's freedoms. And the freedom is to do what is good and what is right. And the other is, you know, license then if you are just doing what with a freedom to do whatever you want. And God never gave us the freedom to do what we want. He only gave us the freedom to do what we ought, what we should do. Those are the freedoms from God, not what we want if it's against what we should do. Yes, and I and I think that that kind of I think where why I uh, was uh, inspired to call and mention this uh, uh, was because living authentic manhood is the freedom to do what we ought. Right, and to be who God made you to be. Absolutely. Right. Right. Okay, and uh, if I could, I just wanted to give a shout out to Kurt. I think he calls from Massachusetts. I. Uh, oh, how sweet. You know, I was thinking of Kurt last night. But Kurt, Paul's wondering about you. I'm wondering about you. It's been a long time since we heard from you. Let us know that you're all right. Yeah, I love I love Kurt's calls. He's he's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. And he's just a trooper of the men's march as well. So, OK, I'm so glad you mentioned him, Paul. God bless you, dear one. God bless you, Mother Miriam. Thank you, sweetheart. We have an email from Mary Ann who writes, I have a very rare fear, the fear of choking. I pray to St. Blaise to help me. That's the right saint. I think about every swallow. Can you please guide me on what to do? I choked a few weeks ago, so now I think it's going to happen all the time, Mary Ann. Uh, Mary Ann, um, it's not so rare. Um, I took a quick look and uh, the fear of choking, um, in fact, it has, it, it's so uh, it's so common. Uh, it's given a name. Um, it's uh, pseudodysphagia. It's, it's the fear of choking, pseudodysphagia. And um, the suggestion on the internet is it could be in childhood or somewhere you found it difficult to swallow and you and you maybe you went too fast, you had too much in your mouth, whatever it is, and um, and you developed a fear. It's not uncommon, um, but uh, not everyone can get over that themselves. I mean, you could tell yourself it's an irrational fear, um, but uh, for most people, if they're not able to overcome it, um, 
Some people have a fear of swallowing, not choking, and that's a different name, different fear. But um, fear of choking is very real. It's not uncommon. And um, there are different types of therapy uh, that are suggested that could help. So there's a, um, a there's, if you just type in on a um, uh, engine, search engine, uh, fear of choking, um, you'll get many, many uh, uh, websites to, to assess, uh, to take a look at. One of them I'm on right now is My Adapta, My, M-Y, and then Adapta, A-D-A-P-T-A, Adapta, and it's how to handle the fear of choking. Um, uh, so it speaks about uh, anxiety and children and youth and family and psychological diagnoses and um, psychotherapy and all of that. So uh, the only thing I can suggest is uh, uh, that you might um, you might see, uh, let's just say, a mental health professional who deals with this, and it could be very, very um, simple. Uh, or it could be something that is um, within the OCD family, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, but if you speak to a trained therapist on that, they'll probably be able to identify it uh, more specifically and, and help you with it. Um, let me see now. Um, who do we have? We have Kathy who writes, how do we stop superstitious thoughts? I know this is against the ways of Jesus, and I don't know what to do. Well, I've never studied how to stop superstitious thoughts, but I've dealt with them myself. You know, when I was young, I was afraid of a black cat and going under a ladder and all of that. Um, what helps me, Kathy, is just uh, knowing reality just information to say that, no, this is um, a black cat is not uh, superstitious, is not a devil, is doesn't mean bad luck. It just happens to be a cat that's black. And we have cats here in our priory, and one of them is totally black and just gorgeous and the most affectionate cat you'd ever want to meet. So, um, so it's just knowledge that if I see a black cat, it's a beautiful cat now. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's superstition or demons or anything like that. So knowledge uh, for me uh, does it because you could say, well, I used to be superstitious about un walking under a ladder, but look at everyone's walking under the ladders and nothing's happening to them. And then you walk under it yourself uh, and nothing happens. So um, just allowing all these um, experiences to um, uh, to bear fruit in your life and and um, and know that um, it's just a matter of of truth and not lies. Uh, the enemy can can inhabit things, but if you say no, it's a cat. Thank you, Lord, for creating little beautiful black cats. Um, and just tell yourself, talk to yourself. I don't have to be afraid of this. There's nothing to fear here. Um, and embrace God's creation. I, I don't. I, offhand, Kathy, I don't know that I could do um, any more than that. 
but I, I just tell myself the truth. And if I'm afraid, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. And I just dismiss it. Um, Kathy writes, um, this is a new Kathy. She says, Dear Mother Miriam, I have the Surrender Novena booklet, but I was wondering how I could obtain additional booklets for other Novena. Please let me know. Thank you, Kathy. Well, I just went on Amazon, Kathy, and there's all kinds of books you can order on Amazon. Just type in Amazon and Surrender Novena, and you can, you can order them. Uh, you could probably get them many other places as well, but um, uh, but you can order them, which is really great. We're all packed now. I think I might have extras I could send you, but I don't know when we'll ever get to those boxes. Um, we have an email from Katerina, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, how are you? I'm fine, Katerina. Thanks so much. First of all, I want to say how happy I am that you could buy your property in Texas. Thank you, Katerina. We're thrilled ourselves. And she says also, also thank you for your amazing words, advice, and everything you do. Thank you, Katerina, including yawning in the middle of a sentence, right, Katerina? <laughs> she says, God bless you for everything. I'm praying for you and your sisters every day. That's a great gift to us, Katerina. Thank you. She says, Mother, I would like to ask you for advice. I have an amazing cousin who is like a sister to me. We grew up together, and after all these years, we are great friends who are always there for each other, no matter what. But there is something that bothers and hurts me so much, and I'm not sure how much I can interfere. Her daughter, her daughters have been living with their boyfriends for many years and bought houses together, and now they are having children together. No signs of weddings. Let me just see for a moment. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Okay, here we go. I lost my place. I apologize. No signs of weddings and even worse, the babies are not baptized. When I asked her about it, she just told me that they are busy and have no time. Well, of course, that's never the reason. That's never the reason. The, the truth is they have no faith. I told her how horrible that is. And also that at our Latin church, women have six to eight children, and all children are baptized. I'm just so scared. She says, I don't know what to tell her and how much I should be involved. I'm just so scared for those babies. I want to save them. Please, Mother Miriam, give me some advice on what to say and do. Thank you so much. God bless Katerina. Katerina. You have not said if your cousin is uh, is Catholic. If she and her husband, um, oh, it's her daughters that have been living with their boyfriends, have houses together and having children together. Um, um, well, if if your cousin said in defense of her own children who are not living within the faith, uh, they're busy and have no time. There's no truth in that. She's just dismissing you. 
what mother would say of her children and our grandchildren, they're too busy to think about heaven and they have no time to protect their children. It's impossible. She's just trying to get rid of you. So um, uh, if you have a relationship with her children, with her daughters, I would try to get to them directly and speak very carefully and, and teach them um, that they are stewards of the children whom God created for heaven and what they need to do. Um, but I wouldn't go back to your cousin with it. If you can go to her, if you know her daughters, you can go to her daughters. If you're going to speak to your cousin, then just treat her as uh, an unbeliever or a brand new Catholic who never knew her faith and explain to her what the church teaches. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, we see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. To Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and we have 10 minutes, time enough if you wish to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Uh, toll free, our number is 1 5483, or email at mother at the <clears throat> 
Uh, we have an email from Teresa who writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. May God bless you and keep you protected and always safe and healthy so that you can continue your good works for his kingdom. Thank you so much, Teresa. That is certainly my desire. I was reading, she writes, my North Texas Catholic magazine last night and saw an article titled Husbands of the Church. I thought, oh, nice, they're going to talk about the role of husbands in the church, but I was wrong. Instead, I read about two husbands who were deacons and who were ordained as priests. They are married and have children and full-time jobs. I've never, I have never read of such a thing. Um, and here's the uh, article is Husbands of the Church, Two Deacons Ordained Maronite Priests at Our Lady of Lebanon Parish. This is the article. My heart feels this is very wrong. Is my heart correct? Thanks, Mother. Um, you know, Maronite is an Eastern rite. And there are Eastern rites that do believe in marriage. A great number of Eastern rites uh, believe, have married priests. So, um, and they're Catholic, Catholic Maronite, but they still have married priests. So there's nothing wrong with that. In the Eastern rite, they do marry. In the Anglican rite, uh, when they come into the Catholic Church, they can come into an Anglican ordinariate where many priests also are married. Um, in general, uh, the rule of cel celibacy stands, but um, in the Eastern Rites, uh, if someone is um, uh, uh, a deacon and they're ordained a priest and they have children and they're married, it's not too unusual, uh, again, for the Eastern Rite. Um, let me just see here. Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I wish to alert you to a very concerning development in Australia. The government of the Australian Capital Territory rushed through legisla legislation to compulsorily acquire Calvary Hospital, a Catholic hospital, and hospice, Claire Holland House. No compensation has been offered. By taking over this hospital and hospice, there is now no, hold on now. By taking over this hospital and hospice, there is now no obstacle to this government's pro-euthanasia and pro-abortion agenda. The government claims they are doing this to improve health care, but their woeful record um, running their own hospitals suggests otherwise. This legislation was rushed through without proper consultation and is now the subject of legal action. Who knows what faith-based property the government will steal next? Schools, churches? It is a very scary time for people of faith in Australia. Yes, it is. Please, would you share this with your listeners and ask them to go to... Um, www.savecalvary, one word, save, S-A-V-E, calvary.com.au and sign the petition. Every voice will help. Thank you for all you do.
my goodness. It's, it's alarming and it's awful. Um, uh, truly awful. So keep doing, keep bringing good into evil and, and overcoming um, evil with good. Keep doing that. Don't ever give up hope. Um, okay. I'm so sorry to take take this time. Okay, we have an email from Artie. Artie says, good morning, mother. I've been hearing commercials from the diocese reminding people to donate to Catholic charities. I think I remember you saying that we should not last year. Was I mistaken? If we should not donate to them, why should, shouldn't we? Thank you so very much. You're in my prayers. The reason to not donate to Catholic charities um, now, I can't speak for the Catholic Charity Organization in every single diocese. I came from the Diocese of Tulsa uh, a few years back, and they're just about the best in the country, outstanding. But there were other dioceses who um, raised money for good life causes. Um, I'm sorry, raised money for... Um, uh, uh, abortion, contraceptives, condoms, all of that. So uh, we need to know, if I give to Catholic Charities, I need to know where every penny is going. And if there's one cause that is not truly Catholic, I don't go there. And so um, um, I, if, if I have a question... I don't donate to Catholic charities. I certainly don't donate to Catholic Relief Services because they do give millions of dollars to support uh, contraceptives and abortion. And Catholic Charities donates to um, Catholic Relief Services. So um, they're, they're so connected. Whatever you do to donate, uh, make sure you check where that money is going. And, and don't spread evil. Um, okay, we have a question. I don't know how much time we'll have for this, but it's an email from Jude. And Jude says, my question concerns the validity of homosexual priests. I've heard that 51% of Catholic priests are homosexual. I know. I hope this is just a high estimate and not the real number. Although there are spiritual and faithful priests, excuse me, although there are spiritual and faithful gay priests, certainly they have caused damage to the Catholic Church. They certainly have. My question, are disordered men called to be the perfect lamb of sacrifice representing Jesus? No, absolutely not. Disordered men, uh, gay men, are not called to be priests. Absolutely not. Um, you can uh, repent of a, a lifestyle. You could you could have tendencies toward homosexuality and not live it out. Um, and you can also practice a healthy lifestyle, even though you're homosexual. But if you practice it out um, at all, um, then you cannot you cannot think even think about the priesthood right now anyway. Um, Jude says, how does their behavior relate to men and women considering their relationship bias? 
God's plan of salvation is built on the model of marriage and family. That's right, which gay men respect. Oh, there's the music, beloved. I'm going down this email to see how long it is. Um, I think what we'll do, uh, the weekend's coming up, dear ones, um, and we'll take this email from Jude first thing uh, on Monday during our uh, second half hour. God bless you. I'm so sorry I keep yawning. I truly apologize to you. Um, um, and I, I love you. And I ask you to go out and not keep the gospel from the world. Speak the truth in love, including to your family, but speak it in love. And don't say they're living against your faith. They're not. They're living against God's commandments for them. Okay, God bless you.